Chris Galsley here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I caught up with the elusive Peanut Butter Falcon. Shia LaBeouf, Matt, has always been a bit of a challenge for me. But we're going to talk about his star turn along with Dakota Johnson, another one who has been a bit of a challenge for me. And this little independent drama, comedy, adventure, folktale... Is it a little too indie for its own good? I'm also going to share my thoughts, Matt, on Midsommar's director's cut from Ari Aster. It's got a limited release. A few thoughts on that. And then our French New Wave Marathon continues with Jules and Jim. Will Matt finally come around, or will I start maybe to lean towards his camp? And that's going to be our favorite you-pick-em game, Call It. And we got lots of good entries this week. Well, let's start everything off with a clip from... The Peanut Butter Falcon. Look, I could have you arrested for kidnapping, okay? Oh, you gonna have me arrested for kidnapping? How, how do you figure? You can't have me arrested. He's a runaway. You can't kidnap a runaway. Come on, genius. You said GW, didn't you? I'm sure I could find some reason to arrest you. And let me ask you, what do you want for him? I'm not gonna sell him to you. No, no, what do you want for his life? His future. Why are you at? You don't know, you know about anything about him. Yes, of course I know about the All right, so I know some about him, don't I? So, uh, you're a little late to party. This is what's going on. I made a promise to him to give him that wrestling school in Aiden. Oh. You understand? Mm-hmm. I gave him my word, and I ain't going back down on my word. Now, you seem like a nice person. You care for him and all. You came all the way out here. Maybe it's because you like me. I don't know. Yeah. And, uh, I'm offering you a favor. You can get on that rap with us, and you can go right down there if you want. Uh, n- no, we're not going to hop on your yeah. little raft okay. and cruise around down the river. It's hot. You're confused. I'm not asking you. Hey, Eleanor. Oh, 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 oh. I want to see a saltwater redneck, and I don't want to go home. Man, it's a story of my life, really. Matt, what is the Peanut Butter Falcon all about? Sure. Zach, who's a young man with uh, Down syndrome, has become a ward of the state, and um, the state has nowhere to put him, so they put him in a an old folks' home. Uh, where Eleanor is his assigned social worker. He doesn't want to be there. He's obsessed with wrestling, and he decides that he's going to break out and find the wrestling school of his wrestling idol, the Saltwater or Re- the Saltwater Redback. Um, uh, uh, he makes his escape, and as he's uh, as he's traveling towards Aiden, North Carolina, he runs into Tyler, a um, down on his luck petty criminal like Crabber who's kind of running away from trouble, and the two of them meet up and buddy up and go on a road trip together. So, did you ever see the Matthew McConaughey part of the McConaughey film, Mud? No, I didn't. It was one that I was meaning to catch up with, but I never did. It's a really, really good film. And I was kind of reminiscent of that watching this. Of course, it has some, you know, tastes of Mark Twain as well, especially with the raft going down the river, right? This is kind of a modern folk tale. You have a uh, roughened guy down on his luck, as you said, running away from the law and trying to help out his new friend achieve his goals. And uh, let me ask you, is this was this too indie for you? You know, because like the whole thing that started with a little Miss Sunshine, and there seemed to be a bit of a backlash against these kind of films, where maybe they're a little too. They 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 try and hit those those indie goalposts. You know what I'm right. saying? A little too quirky for their own good. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Honestly, I'm not a, I don't have a lot of tolerance for those films. I mean, and this is the weird thing about those films. Um, I, a lot of them I end up enjoying in the moment, but they don't age well for me. Whereas mm. the worst examples like Garden State, like, you know, just it, that film did not age well at all. And I'm wondering if that's the same, that's what's going to happen to this. But I can tell you, I was, not, I didn't, that did not come to my mind. I mean, I read the criticism afterwards, but that did not come to my mind while I was watching the film. I think it's just a relatively small, yes, quirky, yes, a little cloyingly sweet in some parts. But overall, I thought it was a pretty good film. I was pretty invested in Tyler and Zach's relationship. I thought uh, Shia LaBeouf was great or LaBeef as he's called um, in, in proper circles. Dakota Johnson. I mean, she's kind of doing her same thing that she's always doing, which for the most part doesn't work for me, but she was fine here. I mean, she wasn't an anchor or anything. So for the most part, I had a good time watching this film. I think that's fair for me too. I think this is 
possibly my favorite Shire performance. I I may I walked out of this thing thinking maybe if I've been too hard on this kid because I was really really impressed with him in this thing as, as well as Zach Gottsagen who plays what well, Zach he's very endearing and heartfelt and I really you really kind of feel the relationship between those two leads Dakota Johnson I didn't mind her you know and, and I was wondering maybe this is what she needs to do is do an indie turn a la Pattinson. Right, maybe this is the way she needs to go for a bit to kind of to uh, rebuild her bona fides, if you will, after the Fifty Shades series and some other turns that weren't quite as good. Overall, though, I really enjoyed this film as well. I think it kind of skates on the edge of realism, but right. is just kind of best viewed as a modern folktale kind of fantasy film. And. I also want to do some, this may sound weird, but uh, some quick praise for John Barenthal, who plays a small and silent role in this film. Mm-hmm. But he, whenever he shows up, it really adds some emotional depth and heft to the film that really kind of makes the film work and really solidifies Shia LaBeouf's Tyler for me. So, and I love me some Barenthal. I, I, though I think about Barenthal is I feel like I would, I think he's a cool guy and I'd love to hang out with him, but I'm pretty sure he'd hate me. <laughs> he's, vibe, so. he's, a, he's a little he's a little too aggro uh, uh alpha male for you i think so i, yeah. I think that's a fair statement for me to say yes <laughs> i had two criticisms for me as well i don't think the whole romantic subplot works in this thing really at all yeah it's pretty shoehorned in there and the other thing too is that the end of it i felt very manipulated yeah it's the what it decides to do is just it's 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 it was it was kind of it just pulled me out of it a little bit, and it actually ended up hurting my grade because especially the reveal at the end, you know, it's just like, come on, yeah, really, are we really gonna do this? Are yeah, we really gonna. I mean, I knew there was. I didn't feel it was gonna end the way that they were leading us to. I definitely yeah. felt that that thing was that move that move was coming. Yeah, but when it did hit, I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, and I think they kind of. Uh... They could have gone to a much darker kind of downbeat ending, but they they kind they kind of copped out on some of that, you know. And I I do also want to point out John Hawks is in this, and he's mm-hmm. just as good and terrifying as he always is. That guy is amazing. He can go from like this total like uh, non threatening dweeb to like this like somebody you would absolutely like piss your pants if he was threatening you and silently menacing. It's, he's great. I love John Hawks. Yeah, if you haven't seen him in the film that launched jennifer lawrence's career winter's bone man Mm -hmm. he is terrifying in that thing and again here in this film and good good to see jake the snake roberts i (laughs) at one point i'm like wasn't he like dead but i knew he had some like i think he had some that was was jake the snake i did not even put two and two together until you just said it yeah yep i think i thought he had some issues but i guess they may have been financial i think he had like a gofundme or something like that going for a while something happened to him that he needed some help so right. it was it was fun seeing him show up in there as well. So all in all, Matt, I enjoyed this a lot. There's a lot to like in it, but it's 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 it does not as good as I think as the superior film that's in this similar vein, and maybe I think this film maybe even borrow a little bit from is that McConaughey film Mud. If you haven't seen that, and if you have to choose between the two, like. I think I gotta go. I'd have to say see mud, but okay. still, there's enough to check this out. I really enjoyed it, even if it's maybe a bit too saccharine for me near the end. Uh, I'm giving the Falcon a B plus. What about you? Yeah, I'm gonna give it a B. I don't think this is a film that's gonna age particularly well, or it's gonna have a great audience or anything like that. I think it's just gonna be kind of this mm-hmm. indie kind of quirky blip that's out there, and that's but that's okay. You know, it's fine. Good enough. Yeah. Have you seen the Peanut Butter Falcon, which is in theaters now? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, I'm going to go ahead and spend a few minutes talking about Midsommar, the director's cut. Oh, you said it would be cool to go. Yeah, and then I got the opportunity and I decided to do it. I don't mind you going. I just wish you would have told me. That's all. Well, I just apologized, Danny. You didn't apologize. You said sorry, which sounds more like too bad. Maybe I should just go home. What? No, no. I'm just trying to understand. And I'm trying to apologize. And I don't need an apology. I don't. I just wanted to talk about it. That's all. 
I really think I should just leave. No, 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 no. Please, please, please. I'm not. I'm not trying to attack you. It I'm not. It really feels like you are. Well then, I, well then, I'm sorry. I'm. So, I just got confused. I'm sorry. I. Hey, please, come on. Can you come? Just can Stop. you come and sit with me, please? Please, and we can talk about it. Look, it just it just felt really weird, okay? But it, I'm fine. I think it's great that you're going to Sweden. I do. I think it's amazing. Is it though? So Matt, we were both big fans of Midsommar. Ari Aster's mm-hmm. follow-up to Hereditary. Florence Pugh plays Danny Arter, who has experienced some horrible family tragedy, and she's in a relationship with Jack Rayner's Christian Hughes. And he is just basically trying to find a way to break up with her until then this horrible event and now he is he 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 can't pull the trigger he can't get away and he can't break up with her at that point they go on an excursion with a bunch of friends hosted by their friend pelly uh or pel pelly you think i've seen the thing twice now you think i'd I'd nail that i think it's pele pele yeah okay and to uh this their commune group thing in their big festival and uh, we're both big fans. So I had an opportunity to see the director's cut. And I'll tell you, Matt, it's a fuller experience. All right. Christian comes off much worse in this director's cut. Oh. And, and Danny, even better. There's a couple more added in scenes and some extended ones where he is just a prick. And there's a whole other scene that's inserted. There's this uh, river ritual that works mostly, I think, just as a misdirect. Uh, to kind of reset what you think is happening, which doesn't really add too much to the film, so I can see why it was cut. But overall, I'd have to say, Matt, if you're a fan of this film, there's a much deeper experience. And there's even more to kind of soak in and enjoy. And I think the film is better. But if you were kind of meh on it and you were kind of under underwhelmed by it, then this is not going to turn you into a super fan. This is not going to pull you over to the side. But overall, if you like the Midsommar, I would recommend checking out the director's cut. It, I think, is still playing, but I'm not sure for how much longer. They announced it was not going to be included in the Blu-ray release, which I think is a was a major disappointment. But I did find out, Matt, while putting the uh, show notes together for tonight, that it will be available on the uh, Apple TV version. Oh, as okay. a special feature. So you will be able to check it out. I now I, what I need to figure out is uh, if if the film comes with a digital copy, which it usually does, if that if those special features will transfer with a digital copy in the Apple TV, because I still like to have my physical media, because I just right. don't trust any of these studios at this point. So we both gave Midsommar an A minus. I don't know if there's enough here to elevate it to an A, but I would say it's from a 91 to a 93. How does that sound? Sounds fair enough. Okay. If you've seen Midsommar's director's cut, shoot me an email, feedback at thefirstrun.com. I'd like to hear your thoughts about it. Do you have any questions about it, Matt, before we move on? No, I don't. I'm just kind of curious. Maybe I'll check it out at some point. Um, I think think you'd enjoy it. Yeah, and, you know, I mean, why they got to do the guy from Sing Street like that, man? What the hell? (laughs) I still can't believe that was the same guy. That blows my mind. All right, let's take a beat and talk about what's coming up on Blu-ray and DVD this upcoming Tuesday. Okay. You made your point. You have earned my fealty. Matter of fact, I'm going to shove so much fealty up your ass, it's going to come spilling out of your mouth. You had your chance. Well, since you see it that way... I guess it's time I told you to climb down off your high table and go fuck yourself. Duly noted. You gave John Wick seven bullets. Your penance will be paid with seven cuts. Well, sometimes you gotta cut a motherfucker. Avert your eyes, my sweet. The king is dead. Long live the king. So, I forgot that there was so much profanity in that clip. So, welcome to the explicit tag for this episode, Matt. Congratulations. <laughs> so, so at least it wasn't my fault. Yeah. And um, all bets are off now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
So as you heard, John Wick is being released. I say John Wick Parabellum Part Three this upcoming Tuesday, September tenth. Best Buy Matt is all in. They have two different steel books that you can choose from. Target has a steel book as well, and Walmart. Well, I think they have the granddaddy of all the releases. In fact, I pre-ordered this at full price, basically, to get what their special bonus feature is. I'd like to guess what it is. Uh, a fake bullet. A replica of the coins. That's oh, okay. Film. All right. So uh, I'm very excited to get that. And a whole bunch of feature arts in the making of this thing. And of course, the trailers. If you're a Wick fan, though, you're going to be picking this up, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know if it's the best film in the franchise, but I will say it's got the best action. I think that is a fair statement. Yeah, those first uh, 10 minutes are breathless. There you go. The uh, new version of Aladdin is coming out on Blu-ray and DVD and 4K. Best Buy has a steelbook for this as well. Target has a book. You know, I forgot this was directed by Guy Ritchie. Really? Miss, yeah. Mrs. I yeah. Mrs. First Run actually went to see this and rather enjoyed it. She thought it was very, very good. All so right. So there you go. There's a deleted song included, some other deleted scenes, music videos, bloopers. Aladdin's Video Journal, a new fantastic point of view where you watch actor Mini Massad's phone camera journal of his experience making the film and more. Jim Jarmusch's The Dead Don't Die, an underwhelming film, I have to say, Matt, for us, unfortunately. We were really looking forward to this one. His deadpan zombie comedy horror film starring Bill Murray just doesn't quite hit the mark, unfortunately. New to Blu-ray, Criterion's The Cloud Cap Star, a new 2K restoration of the film which features a selfless young woman who sacrifices her own happiness for an unappreciative family. Sounds familiar. Scream Factory is giving us Scars of Dracula. The legendary Christopher Lee Matt is back as Drac, bringing unspeakable horrors upon a local village that defies his evil reign. Presented in two aspect ratios, 1.66 and 1.85. A new audio commentary with filmmaker film historian Constantine Nasir and film historian Randall Larson and more. Includes actually an audio commentary with Christopher Lee. That's an old thing that was ported over. Includes, uh, which was moderated by Hammer film historian Marcus Hearn. That might be almost worth picking it up. I'd love to hear Christopher Lee's thoughts on the making of his Dracula films. They're also releasing that Scream Factory, the Donald Pleasance film Circus of Horrors, as well as Blood from the Mummy's Tomb. And then, Matt, we have a whole bunch of stuff getting released on 4K for the first time. For me, I think out of all of these, the one I'd be most excited and tempted to upgrade, the Cornetto Trilogy. Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, all coming out in 4K. All five Jurassic, films, Jurassic World films in a box set. Casino. Daybreakers, that vampire action film that seems to have a bit of a cult following that I don't quite get. I remember really not liking that film at all when it first came out. Right. The Stallone film Lock Up, and then a whole bunch of Disney stuff. Aladdin 92, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, Cars, Cars 2, Inside Out Brave, and The Good Dinosaur, all being released in 4K, and I believe all getting Best Buy Steelbooks as well. Wow, all right. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week is from Severin Studios, that is Killer Crocodile. A group of environmentalists arrive at a faraway tropical delta where toxic waste is being dumped. Isn't that always the way? However, the water also hides a giant crocodile. Let me tell you, the corrupt local officials don't help much either. Matt, what should we be streaming this week? So I caught up with a, a film that I've been meaning to watch for a while. It's the found footage horror film by Bobcat Goldthwait, Willow Creek. Mm. I'd heard good things and I had never seen it. So I took a chance and I watched it. I will say that the beginning of this setup of this thing is, is, you know, kind of your typical cheesy uh, found footage stuff. But when the scary parts kick in, I was actually really scared. It was actually, really? very, it was suspenseful listening to that stuff. I was pretty riveted. So uh, I'm going to recommend that. I had a good time watching it. We're going to stream that. Uh, you can stream that on Amazon Prime. Man, it's really. I'm surprised. Okay, all right. Well, you th- you were not you were not uh you were not moved by the the scary parts once they started. I haven't seen it. Oh, okay. That's, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm surprised. It's Bigfoot doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. So I, there's nothing about a Bigfoot film that grabs my attention. Sure. Okay. So, but maybe I'll now actually check it out. 
I think Bobcat directed also one of my all-time favorite comedies, if you haven't seen it, which is uh, Windy City Heat. Oh, okay. Which is a, a mockumentary kind of, it's just one big elaborate practical joke, and I think that thing is hilarious. I haven't watched it in a long time, and I'm wondering as I get older if I'll think it's just too cruel. Yeah, it seems like that's the one, I remember you showed that to me when we were probably in our late 20s, maybe early 30s, and I thought... Man, this is really mean spirited. Like, I, I just I wasn't into it because of just how mean it was. Well, the guy's a total jerk. Who, yeah, uh, they do the prank on. So there's a whole podcast that ran for years after called the Big Three. In mm-hmm. fact, they still do kind of stuff with him now. The guy, the Perry Caravello, is the uh, the jokey, I guess. But um, he's a horrible, horrible person. So it kind of you don't feel so bad. Or I'm just a horrible person. Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe a dusting of both. Matt, speaking of uh, horrible people or not, I don't know. I'm really good at these transitions. Let's spend a few minutes talking about the latest film in our French New Wave marathon, Jules and Jim, which could easily be called Chris and Matt. Le terrain me paraît excellent. Je propose une course de vitesse. Au premier qui arrive au bout de la passerelle. Attention, prêt. Un, deux, oh. My wife was uh, working on a puzzle while this was playing in the background, and she knew it was a French film, and she hears the panting. She goes, what are you watching? <laughs> they are French. You never Picking know. the worst of the French. That's it. Mm-hmm. So Jules and Jim, Matt, we have two friends, one Austrian, one French. This is, begin, let's say the film begins pre-World War One. And they become fast friends, and there is a woman who shows up that they both care for and fall in love with. And there's then this interesting and odd love triangle between the three of them, considered by some, Matt, to be the greatest film of all time, if not one of the greatest. And it, I should say it passes, it kind of tracks their relationship beginning and then through and at the end of world war one as well so that is an interesting kind of backdrop for all the events that are happening and also i i found too there's also some homoerotic undertones between jules and jim as the film plays out at times so it is a okay what it gets right (laughs) is that there is i love what Truffaut is kind of saying in this hyper, for me, perhaps unrealistic view of relationships and what it means to be in love and how crazy things can get and what you're willing to put up with and what you're able to do, right? Taken in the abstract, I guess, as a meditation on love and what we're prepared to accept, I think it's really interesting. And I think, too, there was a shared, and I really hate this word, I hate even saying it, it was a shared kind of sensuality amongst the three of them. It's just a word that makes me uncomfortable. I don't know why. Mm. So I found that really interesting. And also, too, let's let's be let's be absolutely plain. Royal Qatar's cinematography in this thing is gorgeous. There are some really fascinating and interesting shots in this thing. That one scene you just heard about, they're basically running through a, a fenced-in bridge, and the way that whole thing starts with the angles and the shot down, and then particularly one scene where they're uh, he's they're being tracked on a bicycle, those bicycle shots, you know, some really great, interesting things here. It's a little f- ridiculous at times, and I think look through Matt. Now this is where we're going to bring you in here in a modern-day prism. The whole thing is just preposterous. I found right, right. And I think, I don't know if maybe I'm finally a little bit on board with your modern, what is it, what's the term? Modern modern sensibilities? Yeah, modernity. Your your modernity concerns (laughs) is the word, is the phrase I'm trying to come up with. Okay. What do you think? Yeah. So this film did not win me over as a comfort. I'll go ahead and uh, cut to the chase. Won't bear the lead here. We got two left. I'm not feeling confident. (laughs) Yeah. So uh, I will say that Chris is absolutely right. This thing is gorgeous i mean just um 
you could take any number of frames from this thing and you know blow it up and put it on a, on a on your wall and it would be just a, a lovely image so i'm very impressed they're walking through the mist i mean there's so so, so many great beautiful images there is and i'm not disputing that at all it's I was saying to myself as I'm watching this thing, man, this thing looks great. However, it has a weird jarring tone to it. It's like this, it starts off of kind of like this comedy of errors kind of thing, something very Shakespearean, you know, these kind of strange bon vivants, friends slash almost lovers kind of guys. And then the war breaks out and then they're on opposite sides, which is really heavy. And then, mm. you know, they're, you know, they, there's this love triangle and then like one marries one, marries the girl, but then they all still hang out. And then she decides that she wants to be with the other guy. And they all still decided to live together with the one kid. It's all a bunch of really heavy stuff. Like in the tone of it is so jarring between this kind of, especially in the beginning, this kind of light comedy, even the way they're kind of narrating this whole thing in the beginning, it's very kind of Woody Allen-esque, you know, obviously ripped off many times since. Um, but it just, it just, it was such a, it was just such a shock to kind of have this kind of tonal difference. And I, again, I can appreciate it for what it, it established, but it's still, this is still, this is like, modern films in its infancy and it's still got a lot of kind of growing pains and a lot of stumbles along the way which mm -hmm. kind of hinges my enjoyment a little bit of it that's fair i guess that's fair yeah no i i one thing too i was watch i was when i was watching this like were the french really that carefree and accepting <laughs> of these kind of romantic relationships <laughs> and they, they do they do hint or talk about at one point that i think the answer the answer is obviously no right uh, but still it's you would think that a, an Austrian of all people would have been very structured and would have, you know, right. this, this shall not happen kind of thing. Yeah, still. But I think it's, I really, I still really enjoyed it, Matt. I'm giving Jules and Jim a B plus. It's the lowest grade we've I've given so far. Like the prior two films have been in the A range. Yeah. But this one, as I said, there's just some things about it that just didn't quite work for me. And I think it's because... Of uh, just the time difference, like you said, I just think yeah. I like you said that that you know it's it's modern cinema in its infancy and it's still got a ways to go. But there's you can see it, you can see what's happening and how much it's been, as you said, repeated uh, ever since then. So, yeah, B plus for me. Where are you coming down? Um, I'm gonna give it a B minus. I liked it. I enjoyed it more than I enjoyed uh, last week's film. Um, uh, but. And I think the I think really what elevates for this for me is just the cinematography and the images that are it evokes are are kind of timeless and beautiful. So there you go. If you've seen Jules and Jim, shoot us an email at feedback at the first run dot com. What's coming up next week? I'm blanking. Is it uh did we do shoot the piano player? You no, know, shoot the piano player and then uh we both get to go on a quest to try and track down Alphaville because it's not uh it's not anywhere, so I'll have to be driving around local libraries trying to find it. I bought, I have it. I bought it for a dollar oh. used oh. on DVD at my local library like six months ago. Oh, okay. Well, lucky you. Yeah. So I guess only one of us is going on a, on a journey to try and find it. That's it. Good luck, sucker. Thanks. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. If you're following along or you just wonder if you've seen it before, Jules and Jim, shoot us your thoughts. Matt, speaking of shooting stuff. It's the return to call it. You're going to make some choices. You're going to shoot your shot, as the kids say. And, oh, boy, I know I got some good ones. We'll see what Matt's got when we get back. Oh, my God. Hey. The only thing keeping me and her apart are the two minutes it's going to take to kick your ass. You dated a famous guy? In ninth grade, we had drama. Actually, it might have been math. I just remember there being a lot of drama. Hey. It was a snot-nosed little brat. He just followed me around. It's snot in his nose? He's famous. Hey, I'm talking to you, Scott Pilgrim. He's famous and he talked to me. The only thing keeping me and her apart is the two minutes it's gonna take to kick your ass. Can I have your, <laughs> can I have your autograph, please? What's up? How's life? He seems nice. Evil 
So I was watching Matt as he, I think that's clip started. I didn't think you knew it was at first, right? But like, wait, is this, is this? Yeah, I was, it was, it was quickly dawned on me. So that I love is, that movie. It is, as do I. I rewatched it, I think, earlier this year because I haven't seen it in a very long time. Right. And it does still hold up. And is it Kieran Culkin that's in this? Uh, yeah, I believe it's Kieran Culkin. Yeah. He is one of my absolute favorite parts of that entire film. <laughs> so that is, of course, Scott Pilgrim. Uh, it is. It still works. It still holds up, and it's a hell of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, Matt, your first call it. No, wait. That's a, it's it's. I'm gonna sit on that one because I think that's my closer. <laughs> oh, okay. So let me ask you, Matt. Apocalypse Now or Platoon? Oof, boy. Um, that's a tough one. Just because. I think Apocalypse Now is more the auteur's pick. It's a much more artistic film. Mm-hmm. Um, Platoon is a much more accessible film, and it's a much it's raw co- too. It's a much more coherent film about a war kind of thing. Um, God, uh, I my initial gut was to say Platoon. But I think I'm going to go with Apocalypse Now just because I think I need the weirdness in it in my life. I think you have to expose people to the weirdness of that film and just like a just insane, sweating Jabba the Hutt, Marlon Brando in the, de- <laughs> in, the, in the jungle, just improvising lines. It's just it's so weird. It's such a weird film. You got to check it out if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I'm going with Apocalypse Now as well. I recently just got the 4K release which has the original theatrical release, the Redux, Hearts of Darkness documentary, and then now um, uh, Coppola's final cut, which is kind of his hybrid of the uh, two films, the two versions. And I cannot wait to watch it. I started it actually the other night, but it it was already like 1130. So I'm like, I I can't do this. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) yeah, I'm really excited though. For me, even though Platoon is fantastic, just the sheer scale. And what Coppola is able to pull off in Apocalypse Now for me is it's the clear choice. What do you got? Yeah. Um, all right. So we've got a bunch of you know DC movies. Um, out of the Justice League members that haven't got a film or hasn't won on the decade, you can only pick one. Would you rather have a Flash film or a Cyborg film? Oh, that's easy. I'm a Flash guy. I love the Flash. What got me back into comics in college was Mark Wade and then Jeff Johns' run on the Flash when it was Wally West, which is one of my favorite comic runs ever. I think my all-time favorite is probably James Robinson and Tony Harris' Starman. But um, hands down, it's the Flash. And it's the guy, I guess it's actually now officially a go, um, the guy directing it is uh, supposedly directing the Flash film, right? So... Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, I guess they announced it last week. Oh, okay. What are you thinking? Um, yeah, I would definitely go with the with the Flash as well. Um, I really like the Flash. I I would say maybe a better would be like Flash or Green Lantern. Mm, I think I'd still go with the Flash. As would I. Yeah, I think Green Lantern is a hard one to pull off. Is is that's a very strange universe. That's an odd power set to pull off. You know. Yeah, but visually, it could be fantastic. That's very true. But the Flash is so weird. The Flash is so weird. That's what's so great about the Flash. It's so weird. Hmm. Fair enough. (laughs) Matt, which Kahanu series do you want sequels for? You only get one. John Wick or The Matrix? Um, that's an easy layup for me, John Wick, uh, just because I've enjoyed every single one of the John Wick films, whereas the amount of disappointment I had after getting so excited for uh, Matrix uh, Reloaded, um, man, that movie's it was not good. Revolutions was only nominally better, but those were such disappointing films after how much I enjoyed the, the original. But even though Lana Wachowski said she's got a fourth film ready to go, and that's I mean, after all this time, you don't have the faith that uh, you want just a, no, another. Gotta... You want another John Wick film where we're going to get deeper into the mythos of the Continental and all this stuff. That the more we find out, the less interesting it becomes. I mean, you're basically describing the Matrix. Just take John Wick out of there and put in the Matrix, and that's basically you. It's the same thing. Whereas, at least, like I said, 
John Wick 2 and John Wick 3, I had a good time watching. Whereas I can only say I genuinely enjoyed only watching one Matrix film. Yeah, but you haven't had a Matrix movie since... Um, what was the last one? Was that Revolutions or Reloaded? Yeah, Revolutions, yeah. So it's been... What, that was 2000... Is that four? They were back-to-back, right? Because they shot them yeah. both back-to-back? Yeah. I don't know, Matt. I think that's... I think you're... Yeah, you have the exact right answer. I think John Wick <laughs> is, is the way to go. I'm interested in a Matrix film. I'm not going to lie. But... Yeah. When it comes to sheer insanity and quality and action, I think Wick's your clear choice. Yeah. Did you ever watch the Animatrix? Those series no, of I have not. So most of them were pretty were just kind of ho hum, but there was one about the whole history of the war that was a brutal and just disturbing as hell, and it's really good. You guys should track that down if you can i'd have to look up the name i forget but it's it's really really good i wish they would make a movie out of that because that was upsetting the final fight of osiris the second renaissance parts one and two kids story program world record beyond a detective story and a matriculated the the second renaissance that's that's the one you should guys track that down on your streaming service of choice or, or just watch it somehow it's 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 really good all right what do you got? All right, what do I got? Okay, Star Wars movies or Star Wars shows at this point? Well, that's interesting because that Mandalorian show looks awesome, and there's a Ben Kenobi show coming out with Ewan right. McGregor. Yep. Ooh, my first gut was, oh, Star Wars movies, of course, but we're wrapping up the Skywalker storyline, right? They're going to have a brand new trilogy with all new people, and then you're going to have the shows. And it's not, listen, it's not the 80s and 90s anymore when there's a steep drop off in quality when you right. go to television stuff. So I can't believe, I think I'm going to say shows. I think I'm going to yeah. say it. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with, I think I'm going to go with shows too. I think they need to let the the films kind of uh, cool off for a little while. And I think, I think the shows allow them to make, allow it to breathe a little bit. Like they, it has a much room, more room to kind of be more, in depth and nuanced and stuff like that. So I think I'm excited for the shows. I'm, I'm more excited for the shows than I am for the movie coming out in December. And especially for anything that's coming really? out. Really? You're more excited for the yeah. shows than the wrap up of the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I mean, I would probably be more excited for it. If it like, if Ryan Johnson had written and directed all three, of them, I would be more excited. And, or Abrams had directed all three and written all three. I just think the weird, the fact that they've kind of got these two curators with very different visions is going to be very tonally, I don't know how they're going to reconcile all that. But I don't, from what I, I think they announced last week too, that uh, Abrams said that, don't worry about that. People have been asking him, I guess, don't worry about it. Nothing Ryan Johnson did, there's yeah. nothing that that's happened that, you know, changes or ruins something or think, or boxes me in or... sure. Sure. And he's not blowing up anything Johnson did either, supposedly. So, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I think I think maybe it's just more that I just don't have a lot of confidence that, you know, a two-hour movie is going to really have enough room to kind of tie off all the loose ends in a satisfying way. We'll see. We shall see. Is it, uh, Don't get me wrong. I'm still very excited for it. Is it Chapter 2? It's supposed to almost three hours long, too. I thought I heard that today. Hold on. Oh, is it? I have not heard that. It is supposed to be really long. By the way, Rotten Tomato score contest. Yeah. Um, well, let's save that for the closer. Remind me to say that at the end. Oh, have we started that? Yeah. We're three films in as of Friday. Oh, I haven't even looked at it. I haven't even looked yeah. at it at all. Where is that? Because you haven't spent, you haven't done your usual spate of gloating. Yeah, I wonder why that is. <laughs> oh, you must be losing. It's 169 minutes. It it chapter two. Oh wow. Jeez, that's. At the time, it's like two hours and forty minutes long, almost. I'm excited for it, but I don't think it's going to be that great. I didn't even think the first one was that great. Yeah, I found the first one to be a little underwhelming. All right, Matt. Who is the best Dracula on the screen? Lugosi, Christopher Lee, Gary Oldman, Frank Langella. <laughs> Pick one. Um. What about the guy who did Dracula Untold? Who is that? Yeah, yeah, Dracula 2000. Um, what about the guy from Blade Trinity who was in uh, Supernatural and he's on Legends of the D 
DC Universe or something like that. Oh, God. I haven't seen Blade Trinity in forever. Um, I'm going to go with is, is iconic. Ooh. We get to include Max Shrek in this? Well, he's not Dracula, right? He's technically Nesferatu. So. He's technically Count Orloff. Um, yeah. So if we can include Max Shrek, I would definitely go with Max Shrek because that guy. If you told me he was a real vampire, I'd be like, yep, yeah, that fits. That that guy looks like he's an actual vampire. Um, and that's still a creepy as hell movie. Um, but if out of the choices that you put up there, I would go with Christopher Lee because he's not only kind of suave, but he's also very menacing at the same time. Whereas um, Lugosi, as, as iconic as he is, he kind of became a character of himself, and it's kind of hard to separate that. Mm-hmm. Not Adam Sandler? You could have called an audible with Adam Sandler. <laughs> no, no. I'm okay. Not Gary Oldman? Another Coppola film? Yeah. Um, no, I don't think so. No. He's I'm good, s- though. He's yeah. the only decent part of that film. Yeah. You don't. What about Kahanu's uh, English accent? <laughs> Which is legendary. I love, how, I love how bad it is. It's so bad. It's a legendary. Uh, if you haven't seen Bram Stoker's <laughs> Dracula, listen, it's a good film, I think. I think yeah, it's really it is. good. It, it does. It just has its moments. But Reeves, oh, oh yeah. So and uh, Anthony Hopkins just chewing the scenery. It just somehow even being more scenery chewing than Gary Oldman in that film is is crazy. It's good stuff. So uh, what else? Oh my man, remember that Argento's Dracula film? Did you ever see that? I did not. Oh, I think Rucker Hauer plays Van Helsing. That's after Italy stopped funding movies right? okay so the budget is so bad it's so low <laughs> that film i swear i wanted to do like a one of the things i want to do at one point if we ever set up like a patreon or something was to do fake commentaries okay like i have this whole thing about doing sean connery doing commentary on bond films that he doesn't star in where <laughs> he's drunk and, and just talking about him it's gonna be a lot of fun the other one i wanted to do was I can't remember who I wanted to be or maybe just like a grip or something on Argento's Dracula and just talk about what happened. Cause that thing is a train wreck. Interesting. Anyway, if you want, oh, we should set that up too. do that. That debacle of that twilight commentary we did where, Oh, that was so bad. Nobody came prepared, but me, Yeah, oh, that was a nightmare. I still have what the did audio you file. Expect of that. Of, please never, never speak of that again. Every time, sometimes in my darkest moments, I think about, Oh, God, there's that that riff tracks thing we did. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I thought mine was pretty good, but that's fine. Uh, I'm probably gonna go Christopher Lee as well. I was leaning towards Oldman. I gotta tell you, I have a weird affection for Frank Langella's Dracula as well. It's very um, when did I think come out? Seventy eight, but it's also very kind of sultry and very I don't know. It's just it's a weird where seventy nine. It leans heavy on the sex stuff, really yeah. more so than some of the other films. So, as directed by John uh, Badham. So, yeah, it's uh, anyway, but I think Lee's the way to go. Though, I guess it could have gone with Leslie Nielsen. I don't know. <laughs> so many choices. So many choices. What do you got? Mm-hmm. All right, so this is my last one. It's more of a question, but I'm going to give you put it in the, in, the, in the form of two choices. This uh, Yaqueen Phoenix Joker, real oh, Joker yeah. or not real Joker? Yeah, I, I've seen a couple of things where people are saying it's an Elseworlds story of the Joker. Okay. Mm hmm. I saw something that was supposed to looks like like a spoiler, so I'm very very upset about that. I will not share with anybody. Okay. Please don't. Um, but so, yeah, I th- I think this is a film out of out of continuity, if there is even such a thing anymore in sure. the DC cinematic universe. I think this is maybe just a one off thing, and it's just a story of the Joker, a dark character <laughs> study. So uh, I'm gonna go with. Like, I don't think there's any tie-in with Matt Reeves' Batman in this. Sure. So, and I don't think there's any tie-in to the greater former Snyderverse with right. any of this either. So, I'm thinking it's just this weird kind of one-off thing off to the side. Yeah, I'm not going to, I'm going to say it's not real Joker either. Maybe if, if they try and tie it together, maybe he's kind of like the inspiration for the Joker or like, you know, something like that that leads to the... the oh, I misunderstood well. what you're saying. So, you're saying it's not... Yeah, no, I'm not saying that that's the, let's, I'm saying, yeah, the question was, is that the Joker that grows up that becomes the one Batman's arch villain or does it like he's the inspiration for another Joker further down the line? 
oh, two becomes I, the one that we're used to. Oh, I would say then it's it's the Super Batman's arch villain that this is the real Joker. Oh, it's the real Joker. That's what yeah. I think. Yeah. Okay. It will be interesting. You know how in like the comics, like Joker has all these kind of uh, competing origin stories, and they intentionally leave it ambiguous that any one of them or none of them could be real. Mm-hmm. Like what? I think it'd be kind of cool. They would never do it because it would cost way too much money. But I think it would be cool if they did the same kind of thing. Like they just release like a Joker film every three or four years and it's vastly different than the other one and you're never sure which one is the real one and, and things like that. It'll never work. It, I know it'll it, never work. Because people cool. just can't accept stuff like that. You're like, are they remaking the Joker again? And they'd be like, no, it's not a remake. It's a different right. interpretation or a different version. And that's which is the whole point. You know, right. which I don't, I just don't think the the general movie going audience is, oh, here I go, sophisticated enough <laughs> to run with that kind of thing. Which makes me nervous, though, that I don't think they're sophisticated enough to understand that aspect of the character. They're going to think that this is like, you know, Bruce Wayne and the the alleyway or Clark Kent flee from Krypton raised in Smallville. Like, I think that they're going to think this is definitive, where as the Joker doesn't have a definitive origin. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll close it out, Matt. You ready? I'm ready. Scott Pilgrim or Baby Driver? Oh, man. That is a tough one. Okay. So Scott Pilgrim himself is kind of a is a jerk, and he sucks. Baby Driver has Kevin Spacey, which is also not a good look. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but honestly... As much as it kills me to say it, I think I keep Baby Driver. I have watched Baby Driver more often, and just some of the action scenes in that and just the way they kind of set everything to music is just is absolutely great. It's amazing um, just what they were able to accomplish with that. I think Baby Driver is his most sophisticated work. Yeah. Part of that, I thought it was The World's End, which I think is the best film of the Cornell trilogy, though not my favorite. Yeah. And I feel the same way about Baby Driver versus Scott Pilgrim. I think it is Baby Driver is a lot of fun. Um, it is interesting. There's a lot going on in that thing. A lot of smart ideas and interesting choices. But I got to admit, film for me in a lot of ways, it's not always an artistic pursuit for me. Mm. Sometimes it's a bomb. Sometimes it's Superman from 1978 which i need to watch because i'm horribly depressed or whatever right to remember what it's like to actually feel hope so when it comes between those two films i think i enjoy scott pilgrim more it's it's a funner experience for me sure it's it's a more fun experience if i want to be more grammatically accurate so more funner is that better more funnest more fun funnierest (laughs) yes that's the one. But if I had to choose between the two of them, I think that I have more fun with Scott Pilgrim. Baby Driver is great and possibly his best film, but I just have so much more fun with Scott Pilgrim. So there you go. What choices are you going to make? Shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com. Matt, coming up next week, it's It Chapter 2. All the kids are grown up. And supposedly, Bill Hader still steals the film, Matt. We'll have to see if that all checks out. I, I believe it. Have you watched? Have you been watching Barry? No, it's fantastic. Not. Anybody who has not watched that, it's really, really good. I got so much stuff. I haven't watched Handmaid's Tale yet. I Maybe. haven't watched. Um, there's a whole bunch of stuff I haven't watched yet. I didn't see the last season of Walking Dead. I haven't seen the last two seasons of Game of Thrones. Instead, I You're watched. Not much on that one. <laughs> I did get Mindhunter done, and and. Uh, What's it is there? The strange, Stranger Things kids. That's yeah. done. So I gotta, and I've been loosely, occasionally watching like Jessica Jones. I feel like I need to finish all those Marvel series. I just have to get them done. Right. That's I, that's the way you should view your entertainment options. Just just you gotta plow through it, no matter how 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 much, no fun you're having. Just no, gotta that, finish it. That second season of Iron Fist is just mocking me. At some <laughs> point, that's gonna have to happen too. Better Call Saul, I'm waiting for. That's not coming back till next year now. So I got to watch that Barry show. Man, I'm so behind on stuff. So that's going to be that. And then our French New Wave marathon continues as well. And Matt, you have Shudder, right? I do. 
I do have Shutter. You yes. got to stick in with us. We got to figure out a way. I want to see that new Creep Show. Is that out yet? Okay. Is that started? Uh, comes in out. I think in the next two weeks. Okay. I want to hear some reports about that. I'm really sure. interested about that. Maybe I'll just break down and get it. I have no idea. I know. Seven dollars so, a month. You can swing oh, that. Jeez. <laughs> you get Disney Plus coming. I don't have Hulu now. I still haven't seen Titans. I watched three episodes of Titans through that free trial thing, and it is that is not a good show. Not a good show. Doom. Well, the three episodes I saw. Yeah. Doom Patrol is supposed to be pretty. There's so much Swamp Thing. I really want to see. That's supposed to be really good. They canceled that. Yep. Whatever. Feedback at thefirstrun.com. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. You will eventually find us. Go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. We'll read it on air. It'll help other people find the show. You can find us everywhere. Podcasts are sold or stolen or just listen to for free. That's going to be it, folks. Why don't we go ahead, Matt, then, and take an extended break? And we will see you all soon. Right. What did he say? He said, as you say, John, he only chopped him down because he couldn't see the view no more. What's he mumbo? What did he say? He said an edge is an edge. He only chopped it down because it sport his view. What's Reaper moaning about? Right. Look, I appreciate your position, Mr. Webley, but you can't go around chopping down other people's hedges without permission. Ah, bones. Ah, bones. Yes, I suppose. Thank you. All right. All right. right.